Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Oddsmaker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're set to go against the spread on this week number five of the National Football League season, week number six in college football, if you can believe it. And, Victor, week number six in college football, that means the season is going to be half over after this weekend. I just absolutely can't believe that. And, in fact, in our Playbook Football newsletter this week, in one of the game write-ups that I was researching there's one team in college football that has already played half of their season, and that was all through the end of the month of September, if you can believe it. Massachusetts, six games under their belt through the end of September, moving on now to October. I guess they say time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, you got that right. Uh, I cannot believe we're in the second month of the season. And speaking of having fun... It's always fun when we're off nice winning weekends. we got to congratulate you on nailing that five-star college football game of the month. Virginia Tech outright underdog win on the ACC road against Duke. A beautiful play on Saturday. And uh, for, uh, for our service, we kind of turned what was a uneventful, kind of mediocre first month of the season into a real, real good one. Our King service went 7-1 and one in combined college and NFL over-under plays over the weekend. We're very, very pleased by that result. 4-0 and oh in college football totals on Saturday. And then we capped it off with our big NFL game of the month on Sunday. And if you watched that game, you were probably drinking shots of tequila like me. By halftime, it was the Falcons and the Bengals game over the total. Uh I don't know what your line was in that game, but there were 52 points at the halftime of that particular game. And as I mentioned, uh, we definitely cracked open the tequila and started drinking. I believe there was 73 final points in that one. But a nice last week of the season to turn it into a profitable month for our service. Victor, I thought in the past, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought the Patron, you break the Patron out when games are struggling a little bit and you're looking for a little bit of adrenaline. <laughs> but when what, you have an easy winner like that, <laughs> I guess it's whatever, celebration time. Right. Whatever excuse to drink a little Patron is just fine by me. <laughs> <laughs> I completely understand where you're coming from. And, you know, also talking about celebrating uh, the opening month of September in college football, now in the rear view mirror, as we mentioned here, it was kind of a satisfying month for uh, quite a few handful of teams and a disappointing month for some teams. And some of those teams, I think that I think you could put down in the record book as being highly satisfied with the opening month of September would have to include the likes of uh, 5-0 and Cincinnati, 5-0 and Kentucky, 5-0 and Notre Dame, 5-0 and LSU, football programs that got off to a spotless starts this season. I think you can even throw Hawaii into the mix, Victor, at 5-1. and one. I know they had the one loss, but uh, I'm sure they'll take that 5-1 record through the uh, month of September to start their season. And on the flip side, a couple of disappointing teams. I'm on my list. Anyway, I'll check with you here momentarily to see what, what you're looking at. But I would say from an unsatisfactory report card standing would have to be the likes of Nebraska and Florida State. Right, definitely. Uh, and in terms of who else won the month of September, First off, I would submit the establishment, and that's basically every team that made the 2017 college football playoffs. The Alabama, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Clemson quartet are all still undefeated, and that's uh, a first, actually, in the playoff era in each of the previous three seasons. At least one of those playoff teams from the previous year had lost at least once in September. I would also submit to you that uh, who also won the first month of the season? Obviously, the Southeastern Conference. And I want to throw in a guy by the name of Ed Orgeron. And some expected the season's first month to end with Orgeron on the hot seat. Instead, his Tigers of LSU are in the AP top five now. 
They got a killer defense, and now they got to play the most important role in the playoff race over the next five Saturdays with games against the likes of Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. But uh, you got to feel good about Ed and the way the LSU Tigers are sitting right now. And you mentioned some of the other teams. Uh, Notre Dame looks like they have found their quarterback in Ian Book. And a lot of people are jumping on the fighting Irish bandwagon. Uh, since they made that quarterback change, we threw in Notre Dame-Stanford over the total as a last-second play in our service last Saturday. And we're fortunate to win that game. But uh, now that they have found a quarterback, it looks like Notre Dame could definitely be in the Final Four playoffs as well. Notre Dame, one of the teams, Victor, that we outlined this week in the Playbook Football Newsletter in our Smart Box feature, our Smart Box this week, involved 5-0 and Fat Cats. And basically what the overview is, there's college football teams that are undefeated 5-0 and to start the season, what they do in Game 6. Uh, Notre Dame being one of those. And uh, in fact, you take a look at the list, Alabama, Cincinnati, Clemson, Georgia, LSU, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Oklahoma, all 5-0 and through the first five games of the football season here. But those teams have struggled in the past as favorites in game six, and especially so on the road. According to the smart box, these 5-0 and road favorites in game six are just 21-40 and 40 against the spread when on the road off a home win. That's going to be against working heavily against Alabama, Clemson, and LSU this week. So we'll keep an eye on those 5-0 and fat cats and see just how they fare on the college football card this week. Also interesting, Victor, oddity in a sense, scheduling standpoint-wise, uh, in going through the research of this week's Playbook Football Newsletter, in doing our homework here, we noticed that there are an abundance of homecoming football games this week. I don't know if it's because homecoming is usually scheduled the first week in October, probably so, but the bottom line is homecoming games galore this week, and the rule of thumb on homecoming games is to fade the home favorites and to play on the home dogs, and the simple reason being that home favorites, when homecoming is about, the players and the teams are generally hosting family, friends all throughout the week, and they're probably more into a social hosting mode than they are being prepared for the football game. So favorites become distracted. On the other side of the coin, home favorites that are underdogs are oftentimes disrespected and they don't want to let these family, friends, and everybody that's gathering for the event down so they play better in the role of home underdogs. So keep that in mind this weekend. Look to fade homecoming favorites. and Look to play on some of the college football homecoming dogs this weekend. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And Victor, let's switch it over to the National Football League side of things, if we will. And one thing I've noticed here throughout the first four games in the National Football League, scoring appears to be way up. And in fact, our hometown Cleveland Browns, the 42 points they, they scored last week against Oakland was the most that they've totaled since they put up 51 against Cincinnati back in September of 2007. The question I have to ask you, Victor, is with all this scoring going up now in the National Football League, is it translating to overs on the over-under uh, side of the equation, or are the odds makers doing their job in keeping up with the high-scoring games? Not as many overs as one might think, despite the fact that we are approaching historic numbers in scoring. Last week's numbers were, quite frankly, mind-blowing. The average over-under line, 46.8 in the NFL Average points scored, 53.4. I have not seen that a week like that in the, what, 19 or 20 years that I have been handicapping. The average OU margin last week was plus 6.6 points per game. Nine overs, six unders for the season. We're at 34 and 29 in the NFL, 34 overs, 29 unders. And again, that basically means that at 53.4, that means NFL teams last week averaged 26.7 points per team per game. That is the highest average the league has seen since the groundbreaking season of 2013. It's also the third highest week going all the way back to 1970 and the merger. Your highest scoring weeks in the NFL in 1983, week 7, 
in the 2013 season that I just mentioned in week 14, 26.8. Then last week's historic results, 26.7. Then back again to the 2013 season, 26.3. So amazing. The average game had 53.4 points per game last week. We can look at improved offensive play. And one thing that I can definitely point to, Mark, is the fact that we are getting so much more improved quarterback play in 2018. And the irony is it's not the typical guys that you would be thinking about. There are 10 quarterbacks already who have QB ratings of 101 or better on the season. Those quarterbacks, Jared Goff, Mahomes, Breeze, Fitzpatrick, Matt Ryan, Philip Rivers, surprisingly Ryan Tannehill, Cousins, and Alex Smith, and then rounded out by another second-year player, Mitchell Trubisky. The surprising part are the guys who are not on this list. They're close. They're all in the 90s themselves, but these guys are not yet ranked in the top 10, and of course I say yet because they will be. But we're talking guys like Cam Newton, Eli Manning, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Joe Flacco, Russell Wilson, Andrew Luck, Ben Roethlisberger, Matt Stafford, and even Carson Wentz. So we're seeing that changing of the guard in the NFL when those top 10 quarterbacks are significantly higher than those veteran guys. We are seeing an evolution of improved quarterback play in pro football. That's a great point, Victor, and we're seeing just that, uh, this improved play at the quarterback position in the National Football League this season, and it's equating to higher scoring games, uh, as we talked about at the onset of this segment here, with scoring being way up in the NFL. Um, my also other take on the National Football League is that, you know, it's easy to tear apart and go into the zebras, but uh, I, there was a couple of bad calls that I saw last week that uh, one is a Cleveland Browns fan had me out coming out of my lazy boy that call against the right. Browns in Oakland. Uh, you know, the National Football League, uh, uh, they awarded the Browns a first down late in the game. That Brown, that first down would have cemented the game and they would have left a win. But they decided to review the play and overturned it in what looked to be, for the naked eye, a bad overview call. Now, the National Football League tried to justify it and say that from all the angles that they saw, it, you know, it was uh, it was an overturned play. But, you know, the bottom line is it has to be clear evidence to even begin an investigation on an overturned play. So, you know, that was subject number one. And uh, uh, number two uh, in the Kansas City-Denver game Monday night. Yes, uh, Right, you know that I know, that, I know, that, I know where you're going here. Yeah, <laughs> you know that that play clock call. Uh, you know the yep. play should be dead, and uh, Mahomes should not then have been positioned to complete a 25 yard pass to keep that game winning drive alive. So, uh, you know, we're going to have situations like that with referees and bad calls, but uh, they seem to crop up in a couple of football games back to back, and uh, sort of jumped off the page this week. And uh, I think the National Football League needs to do a little better job with uh, some of the officiating and getting everybody on the right page. Because the bottom line in watching football games is it's not about the referees and what calls they make. It's about the football teams on the field and what plays they're delivering. We don't want to even realize, like in a boxing match, that there's a referee in the, in the, in the ring. We want to see that we come to watch the fighters fight. We come to watch the National Football League play games, not to have the referees be a part of the overall outcome of the football game. And that was the case, in my mind, of those two results this past weekend. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I, we're going to tear down our college football game of the week. And we've got a dandy on tap, the Red River rivalry between Oklahoma and Texas. We'll tear that game apart and a whole lot more to come here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. If your goal is to become a winner at sports wagering, then the all-new Sports Data University is just for you. You can learn responsible sports wagering in live classes and free courses from the world's sharpest sports wagering instructors, such as Mark Lawrence, Victor King, Andy Isco, and an array of other top experts. Join live classes and ask questions you want answers to. Listen, learn, and watch at Sports Data University. Visit today at sportsdata.com. That's Sports Data University. Located at sportsdata.com. 
Have your morning coffee with Mark Lawrence each day when you join his all-new Coffee Club. Delivered in your email box the very first thing every morning, Mark shares with you his first take on the daily sports scene, ranging from top situational plays to handicapping tips and commentary from fellow Coffee Club members. It's a quick must-read for the serious sports fan. Join the Coffee Club today at playbook.com and have your morning coffee with Mark each and every day. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread on this weekend's college and pro football cards. It's time for our college football game of the week and a beauty on tap, a major rivalry game when Texas takes on Oklahoma, a Big 12 showdown taking place this weekend in the Red River rivalry. Victor, your take on the over-under in this football clash between these two Big 12 powers. Well, once again, it's our favorite college football tongue twister, isn't it? The Red River rivalry. Try I saying that twice, fast. Victor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good. Hey, Red River, great John Wayne movie, Montgomery Cliff. But uh, again, it doesn't roll off the tongue very quickly. But uh, I'll tell you what you do got in this game is you got an unstoppable offense, 46.6 points per game for Oklahoma against a brick wall defense in Texas who's allowing less than 20 points per game on the season. For me, uh, as an OU guy, this is the toughest type of game to handicap from an over-under perspective. Oklahoma, no surprise, 4-1 and over-under this season. Oklahoma games have averaged 71 points per game, and they've gone a perfect 2-0 and to the over in conference play. Those two games have gone over by an average margin of plus 20.2 points per game. Texas, on the flip side, it figures everything is exactly opposite. Two and three over-under on the season. The average Texas game has averaged 48.6 points per game, and they've gone 0-2 over-under in conference play. The average Longhorn game going under by 9.2 points per game. The over-under line opened at 59. As we record the show here on Wednesday morning, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 16.5 to 61. Now, of course... There's no hotter quarterback in college football than Kyler Murray, that is for sure. Last week, you know, he only threw 21 total passes in that game against Baylor, yet he threw for 432 yards and six freaking touchdowns. He also ran mm-hmm. for 45 yards and a touchdown. You know, for for all the good things that Texas has been doing, it has not faced an offense with the kind of weapons that Murray has had to work with. And, of course, we do know the Longhorn offense doesn't have quite the same explosion. So how are they getting the job done with, uh, what, reeling off four wins in a row after that opening week loss to Maryland? Defense, and their run defense has been fantastic. They've held USC, TCU, and Kansas State all to just two or fewer touchdowns on the season. The run defense has been fantastic. Secondary has been coming up with its share of uh, picks, so far, playing very, very well. So, I mean, there it is for you. Unstoppable offense, brick wall defense. This is not a very consistent series from an over-under perspective. In fact, in the last six seasons, they've alternated over-under results every year. From under last year to over to under to over to under to over in the last six seasons, Again, also makes it a little more difficult to handicap from an over-under perspective. The average line in the series, 58.1. Average score is 64.0, plus 5.9 points per game. In terms of the over-under, I'm going to pass this week, and I'm going to tell you why. The OU line right now, uh, let's call it 61. It's right smack dab in the middle of a very key number range. That college football range of 58 to 63 points. There are multiple extremely common scoring outcomes based on the current point spread and based on the current OU line in which the game can finish right in this range. And I'm talking about very common scores like a 34 27, 35 27, 34 28. 35 to 28, 38 to 24, 37 to 24, 
31 to 27, and finally 31 to 28. These are all very common college football scores when the point spread is in the range of about a touchdown or less, and the OU line is in that range of 58 to 63 points. There's no value. I'm going to pass. I'm going to listen to what you say in regards to the favorite and underdog. But right now, in that line range, there's basically no value whatsoever, and we're going to pass on the over-under, Mark. Bottom line, Victor sees no value in the Texas-Oklahoma game to go out and make a totals play in the contest. Instead, he'll sit back and watch and enjoy the football game, and I think this will be one heck of a football contest here. First of all, the Texas Longhorns come into this football game having cashed five straight games in a row in the series, a pretty good number for them running, at least being competitive within the series when Oklahoma has been the far superior team in the past. You also take a look at this Texas defense Victor hit on. Uh, They're allowing 333 yards a game. That's far superior to the Oklahoma defense, which is coughing up 405 yards a game, excuse me, on this football season here. 72 net yards difference to the Oklahoma defense in this contest. Oklahoma comes in here. They've been really good in the Big 12 football games as single-digit favorites, where they've won seven of the last eight games against the spread in this particular role. Oklahoma, bad news. In this series, when they're coming off a point spread win, as they are in their last game, that 66-33 win, they're... 4-11 4-11 and 11 to the spread in the series coming off a point spread win. They also happen to be residing inside of the 5-0 and Fat Cat Smart Box, which I talked about at the beginning of the show this week as well. Not a good omen for 5-0 and teams laying points in game number six of the football season. And in fact, if you take a look last year in this football matchup here, Oklahoma came into the game off a loss. And that was a role in which they really, really excel. Oklahoma 28-0. and straight up in 21-7 and seven to the spread in games off a loss that was working in their favor that way last year. This year, they're coming in off a win. And in fact, both Lincoln Riley, the head coach, and Kyler Murray, their first-year quarterback, are now in this 5-0 and fat cat role for the first time in their careers as well. So we'll see how they handle all this. You take a look at the other side of the equation. Tom Herman, the Texas head coach, has been absolutely outstanding in his career in the role of an underdog. He's been in underdog roles 12 times. He's won eight of the games straight up on the field, going 11-1 to the spread as an underdog, a perfect 6-0 to the spread as an underdog in games in which his team owns a winning record. I'm going to grab up the points with Texas, who might be the better football team in this contest here from my side in this big Red River rivalry football game. Don't go away, guys. When Victor and I come back, we're going to tear down our NFL game of the week, and we've got a beauty on tap. It's a rematch of last year's NFC championship game between the Vikings and the Eagles, and we'll also hop out to Las Vegas to check out the Vegas vibe with our good friend Andy Isco when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. All new Playbucks tokens are here. Only at Playbook.com can you earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbucks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbucks tokens, you can use them for Playbook experts' picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbucks tokens, do so now. Simply visit Playbook.com and click on the Tokens link. It's that easy. That's the all-new Playbucks tokens waiting for you at Playbook.com. The only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals. The Totals Tip Sheet is a must-read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season. Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King, the NFL Totals Guru, at Playbook.com. The Totals Tip Sheet has got you totally covered this football season. It's the best reference source of its kind in the nation. Get your Totals Tip Sheet today at Playbook.com and enjoy the winners. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence once again along with Victor King as we go against the spread on this weekend's college and pro football cards. Let's get to our National Football League Game of the Week, and we've got a beauty on tap Sunday when the Minnesota Vikings take on the Philadelphia Eagles in a replay of last year's NFC title game. Victor, your take on the over-under possibilities inside this big showdown game on Sunday. 
Right, we've got some revenge here, playoff revenge, Minnesota, Philadelphia. You know, uh, I've yet to play a uh, Viking or Eagle over the total this season, but this is going to definitely be that game. 44.5 is where the over-under line opened up. Uh, When I checked the various sports books uh, on this Wednesday morning when we record the podcast, half of them are at 44.5. Half of them had bumped it up to 45. If you're going to join me on the over, do so as soon as possible. It could very easily get up into the 46, 47 range. And uh, I got my play in at 44 and a half. I, I like to be able to cash a winner. If the game finishes right on 45, I would urge you to do the, the same. Philadelphia opened up a slight, what, one-point favorite. They're up to about a field goal right now. Both teams come in two and two over under on the season. For me, the key is that Minnesota has gone 0 and 2 over under in their home games. That's zero overs and two unders, with their average home game going under by 7.2 points per game. But on the road this season, the Vikings, a perfect 2 and 0 to the over. The average Viking road game has gone over the total by 17.0 points per game. There was that high-scoring division road game against Green Bay, which ended up in a tie. I believe there was, uh, what was the score, 29-29 in that game, something like that. And then, of course, last Thursday night, uh, Minnesota taking on the Rams, 69 points scored in that particular game. What impressed me about the Vikings was the fact that, Hey, you know what? They can score some points against the best defenses in the NFL, like the Rams and like the Eagles that they're going to be playing this particular week. I know it's going to be tough running on Philadelphia. This great Philadelphia rush defense is ranked number one on the season. They're only allowing 63.7 points per game on the ground. They also allow a league-best only 3.1 yards per carry when offenses rush on first down against Philadelphia. So we already know that Minnesota is not playing with a full deck. Dalvin Cook is not 100% healthy, and it's basically going to force the Vikings to open this game up significantly. And, yes, we saw last week that Minnesota can definitely throw the ball. They're the number five passing team in the NFL this season, averaging 327 yards through the air. And Philadelphia, not a great pass defense. They're ranked number 19 versus the pass this season. On the flip side, Minnesota's defense against the pass is even worse. They're ranked number 23 in the league. They allow 277 yards per game through the air. And Carson Wentz now has had two games under his belt to get ready. So this is the game that, to me, Looks like it's going to open up as a significantly bigger passing game or much more wide open than the odds makers think. From our database, Minnesota, of course, off that high-scoring loss to the Rams last Thursday, our NFL database says that NFL underdogs off a Thursday non-division game, which went over the total, have gone 17-5 and five over under since the 2011 season, and that includes 11-1 and one over under in non-division games. That applies to the Vikings this week. The Eagles' best over numbers historically over the last three or four years have been against under 500 opponents, and surprise, surprise, Minnesota's under 500 on the season. The Eagles' 26-8-1 and one over under, in their last uh, 35 games against less than 500 opponents. So if you're going to join me, get your action in at a advantageous line of 44 and a half or lower. Either way, we see a fun late afternoon game Vikings Eagles over the total. Victor goes over the total in the Vikings Eagles game for his call in that big Sunday showdown football matchup in his NFC title rematch play on Sunday. And then we mentioned here, this is probably the marquee game on tap in the National Football League this week. Uh, The Minnesota Vikings come in here off back-to-back losses in a nasty mood, to say the least. Uh, This is a football team that was, or is, I should say, 33-11-2 to the spread in non-division games under head coach Mike Zimmer, including uh, 
coming into this contest 6-1 and one when they're off back-to-back losses. Quarterback Kirk Cousins for Mike Zimmer. The one attribute that he brings to this football game that's most favorable is the fact that he went up against Philadelphia in his days as a quarterback with the Redskins. Inside the NFC East, he played against them seven times. He won four of those football games on the scoreboard, cashed five of the seven football games, and in fact was a perfect 3-0, and both straight up in against a spread against Philadelphia in games in which the Eagles entered off a loss. The Eagles come in here a disappointing football team. If we talked about disappointing teams in the National Football League this season on the opening segment, we would have likely mentioned the Philadelphia Eagles. They're the defending Super Bowl champion. They're just 2-2 two and two straight up in the season, 1-3 and three against the spread. And you might argue that they were expected to get out to a slow start with Carson Wentz working his way back from knee surgery last year. But the bottom line is they're still a 500 football team entering into this game. Not good news if you're a defending Super Bowl champion, however, noting from our database that defending Super Bowl champions that are at home with a 500 exact record are just 12, 20, and one push to the spread in this particular role. The Eagles themselves have not been a very good play in games after taking on AFC teams and losing games like they did last week to Tennessee, just one and six to the spread. But the bottom line to me is you've got a big, huge revenge chip on the shoulder for the maddest hell Minnesota Vikings coming into this contest here. And I'll go back to Mike Zimmer again. In non-division games off a loss, Mike Zimmer 13-1-1 against the spread his last 15 games in this particular role. I'm on Minnesota plus the points against Philadelphia for my side in this big, huge Sunday showdown game. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. And let's hop out to Las Vegas now for one of our most popular segments on the show, our Vegas Five each and every week with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Andy, I hope everything's going well for you this 2018 football season. Well, good morning, Mark. And yes, things are getting off to a nice start. And actually, you know, we're both in the uh, Westgate Super Contest and uh, just using that as a barometer. Never knowing how this season is going to unfold, I always have one goal, and that is at the end of the first four weeks of the season, essentially the first quarter of the season, if I can be at 50%, though it's not satisfactory as far as a full season goes, it means I will have at least navigated the first four weeks of uncertainty, and I pretty much have been able to achieve that goal. Now, I achieved it in an unusual way by having two miserable weeks and two very good weeks, but nonetheless... Uh, I've been able to navigate the first quarter of the season and looking forward now to seeing if we can identify which teams are going to play according to form and which teams will uh, will surprise us once again this week. Well, Andy, you're talking to the choir as far as the uh, Westgate Superbook contest goes because that's my philosophy exactly is to, uh, is to have a, a 500 record at least uh, if not through the first quarter of the season, at least at midway, to be able to surge moving forward by using our statistics and uh, having numbers to work with a little better than projections. And I, like you, Andy, have done just that the first quarter of the season here. And I'm sitting like one game over 500. So not thrilled, but also happy to be where I'm at. So I guess we're in the same boat as far as the Superbook contest goes this football season here. And uh, uh, before I get over the Superbook side of things, Andy, here, I want to let our listeners know that uh, your outstanding newsletter, it's thelogicalapproach.com. I got a copy of it this morning here, and I was really excited to read it because you mentioned on the show last week, we talked about uh, the way that you break things down. And I love the manner in which you break things down. You do them just perfectly for what will be, I think, uh, an outstanding association with the Sports Data University with Andy being an instructor there. And you're going to understand why and how to handicap games a lot better, guys, out there after listening to Andy. We talked last week, Andy, about the X Factor. Uh, And you mentioned uh, you hit it in your newsletter this week. And the X Factor uh, was basically uh, by... Uh, in, in in my little Cliff Notes version here of, of subtracting team scoring rank from their yardage rank to come up with a uh, a universal or a, a ready fit number, if you will. And if you would let our listeners know a little bit briefly about the X factor and how you utilize that in your handicapping. 
Yeah, sure, Mark. In fact, uh, you, you pretty much summed it up as far as the, the principle behind it, as far as how it's calculated. So in the article this week, it does show how it's calculated. And of course, the spreadsheet that accompanies uh, the newsletter each week has that number built in there for each of the college and pro football teams. And basically, you know, if you go back uh, 20, 25 years, the advantages that several handicappers had over others, uh, and even sportsbook, was the, the information. It was difficult to get. You had to very often keep it yourself. Uh, now, of course, with the advent of the Internet, which, you know, we're talking about 20 years now, information is very widespread. So it really comes down to now getting edges in the ways that you use that information. Yeah, there's still some proprietary information that we all have, but there's also a lot of general information that's been provided out there that we need to be able to use. And one of the things that bothers me a lot sometimes, I'll hear the talk when uh, uh, people will be reviewing games or analyzing games and say, well, this team outgained the other team by 300, uh, by 135 yards last week, and yet they lost by 25 points. How can that be? Well, sometimes yardages don't always tell the story when it comes with the relationship with points scored, because you can score points in a number of ways. For example, you might find that a team has only a 20-yard drive because they recovered a turnover on the opposing team team's 20-yard line. So they're going to score. It's going to be 20 yards. And yet, if you look in the statistics, you may see that this team scored like 30 points or so, and yet they only gained maybe 270 yards for the game because they got contributions from special teams or from uh, the uh, the defense or the offense turned the ball over after gaining yardage in the case of a negative situation. So basically what I'm coming down to now is, is looking at their, the relationship. It would seem to make sense, all things being equal, if you play a clean game, let's say, that the team that scores the most points would equate with the team that gains the most yards, vice versa. The team with the fewest points would be the team with the fewest yards gained. And defensively, if you've allowed the fewest yards, you should have allowed the fewest points. So what I do is it's very simplistic, but I take a look at the rankings of these teams in those two categories. So, for example, a team may rank uh, first in yards gained, but fifth in in uh, points scored, well, that tells me there's a team that is not uh, uh, getting the most out of the yardage. It probably means in many cases they're gaining yards, turning the football over, missing field goal attempts, etc. the case may be. Similarly, you might have a team that, let's say, uh, they rank uh, uh, 15th in uh, yards allowed, but first in defensive yards allowed. Well, there's a team that gives up yardage, but they prevent points. They get the key stop. stop. They uh, create the key turnover. They've got excellent special teams play that pins the opposing team uh, deep in their own territory, etc. So what I basically do is I take a look at those rankings and I put that number in there. And I, I guess the, the other way, and I, I sort of conclude the article by saying this, is that teams with positive X factors are generally teams that outperform their statistics, meaning that they score more points than their basic statistics would suggest that they would. Teams with negative X factors are teams that underperform their statistics and basically make mistakes, poor special teams play, take, not taking advantage of field position, etc. Excellent recap of the X Factor from Andy Isco at TheLogicalApproach.com talking about teams that outperform their statistics or uh, co completely the opposite, go the other way. A little bit of what my mindset is all about the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid doing just that. But nonetheless, check this all out inside Andy's newsletter this week, The Logical Approach football newsletter. And you can log on at TheLogicalApproach.com. You get a copy in your hands just in time for the football games this weekend. Andy, we talked a little bit about on the onset of this segment here about the Superbook contest here and uh, what a choppy up and down uh, start to the contest it had been. How did people fare in the contest overall last week? Was it a good week or a bad week for contestants on the whole? Overall, it was a very good week. Uh, using the normal breakdown, the consensus plays were three and two. That puts them at ten and ten for the uh, for the season. When the consensus uh, play suggested a play on the favorite in the game, they were 5-3-1 and one this past week, which raises the below 500 average up to 16-21-2, or just about 44% when the uh, consensus, when the majority of the uh, selections in a specific game are on the favorite side. When the majority of the selections are on the underdog, they were 4-1-1 one one this past week, 13-9-1, for the season, there's been one pick'em game, and the consensus was on the correct side of that game. That was several weeks ago, and overall, last week the consensus was nine, four, and two 
over the 15 games, bringing the record to exactly 500 for the season. 30 correct selections, 30 incorrect selections, and three of the games so far in the first 63 have resulted in point spread pushes. As far as the leaders go, the leader currently is at 17 and 3. That's 17 out of a possible 25, excuse me, 20 points. That equates to an 85% winning percentage. And of course, the winner, the leader rather, at the end of four weeks earns a $15,000 bonus from the West gate so one lucky and astute handicapper did that and there's another handicapper who unfortunately just missed out by a half point 16 three and one that individual 16 and a half points he missed out on that fifteen thousand dollars and as i understand that that handicapper had the uh or the the uh, rather the person who won leapfrogged the person in second by virtue of the denver broncos covering what was a Uh five point spread in the contest monday night of course if you bet that game on monday afternoon you probably lost if you took the denver broncos as that line had gone all the way down to three and a half Uh, there are 12 contestants at 16 points and overall 55 contestants are at 15 points or greater, 15 out of 20 equates to 75%. So that's a nice number at 75% or better. And as we expect will happen over the course of the season, that percentage uh, of the uh, contestants at that high number will drop and uh, we'll be back around the normal mid to upper 60s, probably uh, before we get to Thanksgiving. As far as the Super Contest Gold is concerned, that consensus, which has about 100 and 23 or 125 contestants, winner take all, $5,000 entry fee. That consensus was 3 1 and 1 this past week, bringing the season to date selection uh, results for that uh, uh, contest 11, 7, and 2, which uh, 12 points out of 20 equates to 60%. The leader in that contest is at uh, 15. Uh, points or 75% or a total uh, of, uh, of at, at 13, which is 65%, 13, 20 contestants at uh, 13 points or 65% or better. And in the Golden Nugget contest, that's the $1,000 entry fee that combines both college and pro football. You make seven selections a week against a statics point spread that is basically the point spread at the Golden Nugget at 2 p.m. Pacific time on Wednesdays. The leader in that contest is at 20 Seven and one for a total of 21 out of, uh, excuse me, 20 and a half out of a possible 28 points. That equates to just slightly over 73%. There are four contestants who are a half point behind, and a total of 40 contestants have gotten at least 18 out of a 28, a possible 28 points. And that 40 out of that, uh, excuse me, that 18 out of 28 uh, correct selections results in a winning percentage of slightly over 64%. Uh, so the Golden Nugget. Uh, doing very, very well with a lesser number of contestants than the Westgate con- uh, contest. But then again, you've also got uh, the leader at 73% uh, through uh, 28 selections, which is very impressive. And again, as we mentioned each week, most of the leaders in the Golden Nugget contest are those who either play exclusively or significantly college football because, again, the advantage that the betters have the advantage that the contestants have is they can be more selective in the games that they choose to play or bet, whereas the books put up games lines on basically all games. And when you're picking out of basically 70 games per week in the Golden Nugget contest versus 15 or 16 games per week in the NFL, you should end up at the end of the season seeing those who have the greater variety of games from which to select to outperform those which have a more limited number. Selectivity, the key in the Golden Nugget contest, where, as Andy mentioned, you can choose from college and pro football rather than limiting yourself to just handicapping the NFL card on a weekly basis. And it's also said, Andy, that uh, the line oftentimes makes the play, and it was just perfect point for the first-place leader in the Superbook contest with that Denver plus five in the Superbook contest. It got him that $15,000 award for being the leader after the first four weeks of the contest here. A nice overview from Andy Isco with a big contest going on in Las Vegas this week. And Andy, before I hand it over to Victor, I know he's got a question he wants to run by you. Any significant line moves that you've seen in Las Vegas this week as far as the National Football League are concerned, the lines from what was posted last week up until what we're looking at this upcoming weekend? 
Well, Mark, it's interesting that you use those words significant line moves because I also like to look at it as interesting line moves. One <laughs> such uh, line move inc- uh, involves the Thursday night game between Indianapolis and the New England Patriots. And again, just to quickly recap, the Westgate Superbook puts up about 10 days in advance, uh, actually a little bit more than that. I think they come out on Tuesdays now, uh, lines that can actually be bet. These are not uh, uh, power rankings or things like these are lines that you can actually go up to the window and make bets for games played the following week. So, for example, the lines that came up yesterday are for the games to be played in week six whereas this coming weekend is week five. So, for example, last week, the Thursday night game between Indianapolis and New England, the New England Patriots were eight-point home favorites in that game. Well, they thrashed the Miami Dolphins. Indianapolis plays a very contentious game, losing uh, to the Houston Texans in overtime, and we saw the immediate and expected reaction. Oh, the Patriots are back. They're 2-2. Two and two. They've been there three times in the six previous seasons, always made the playoffs, always won at least 12 games. So when that line came up on Sunday afternoon, they'd already they'd been installed as a 10-point favorite, a, two, a full two-point move from a line that was already above a touchdown. Interestingly enough, the public seems to like that number. That number has floated back between 10 and 10 and a half in the 48 hours or so following that. Other games of note, and most of them are in the early part of the card, actually. Baltimore at Cleveland. Baltimore last week was a one-point road favorite at Cleveland. And of course, we saw Baltimore uh, with their fine win Sunday night. When that game came up on Sunday afternoon, after Cleveland had lost that overtime game at Oakland and before Baltimore took on Pittsburgh, the Ravens opened a one and a half point road favorite, which was quickly bet up to a two point road favorite. They took the game off the board for the Sunday night game. And when uh, Baltimore pulled that upset at Pittsburgh and the game came up Monday morning, there was a further adjustment. Baltimore, a two and a half point favorite. And They've basically floated between two and a half and three ever since. Jacksonville at Kansas City. This one a little bit interesting as well. Kansas City, of course, did not play until the Monday night game. Last week, Kansas City was projected and available to be bet as a three and a half point home favorite over the Jaguars. Jacksonville had a uh, rather easy win over the New York Jets on Sunday. So when the game came up uh, Sunday afternoon, the Kansas City Chiefs were down to just a three point home favorite over the Jaguars. Line seemed a little bit low considering how well Kansas City has played. They took the game off the board Monday night. Kansas City rallied on the road for a tough win at Denver, and the line came up Tuesday morning. No adjustment. Kansas City still opened as a three-point home favorite over the Jags. Giants at Carolina on Sunday. Last week, the Carolina Panthers were a six-point home favorite over the New York Giants. Of course, Carolina had their bye this past week, so there was nothing really to adjust for them. New York Giants did not play very well in their uh, loss at home to the New Orleans Saints, especially Eli Manning, who continues to show that he's uh, an old quarterback, lack of mobility, and the offensive line uh, adjustments that they made in the offseason did not appear to work. So when that game came up again on Sunday evening, Carolina up to a seven-point home favorite, and that's pretty much been where that line has been since that line came out. One very interesting line move, the Miami Dolphins at the Cincinnati Bengals. Last week, Cincinnati was offered as a four-point home favorite over the Bengals. Miami, wrong team, wrong spot, wrong time, got blasted by New England on Sunday. Cincinnati, in a very entertaining back-and-forth game, pulled out a last-second win at Atlanta, 37-36. When the game came up on Sunday afternoon, the Bengals had been adjusted from a four-point home favorite all the way up to a a five-and-a-half-point home favorite, and that game has since been bet up to the Bengals being a a six-and-a-half-point home favorite. So whether it's a case of the Westgate and then the betting public uh, combining to either reward Cincinnati or penalize Miami, that to me is considered both a significant and an interesting move. Line moves from Las Vegas in the Superbook from the Superbook, I should say, in Las Vegas at the Westgate Superbook from Andy Isco at TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Good to know as we head into this weekend's NFL football games on tap this weekend. As I mentioned, Andy, I know Victor's got a question he wants to run by you on the show this week as well. I sure do. You know, Andy, at the top of the podcast, Mark and I were talking about some of the surprising college football teams that won the month of September. And one of the teams that Mark 
briefly touched on was the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. I just finished uh, reading your Logical Approach newsletter, the brand new one, the one that's available at www.thelogicalapproach.com. And I'm wondering if you could throw out any sort of a comment or anything on Hawaii. You know, they only returned nine starters from last year, a team that went three and nine straight up, a team that went one and ten ATS, yet they've reeled off five wins already this season. Andy, your opinion. And number two, the question is, have they already gone over their projected win total for the season? You know, Victor, I'm not quite sure what their projected win total was, but I'm sure if they haven't gone over it, they're about to. I would think that they expected some uh, improvement out of Hawaii. Rolovich, the coach, very innovative, very well and highly thought of, and he plays a very te- a very entertaining offense. Their passing game is, uh, has been absolutely uh, very entertaining and effective uh, this, this season thus far. They've traveled an awful lot. Remember, they started the yeah. season – in week zero with that win at Colorado state, didn't quite know what to make about, uh, of that win on, uh, you know, maybe it was devalued a little bit because Colorado state had struggled for the most part. They did end up pulling that nice upset of Arkansas and then they go home and lose to, uh, what was it? Illinois state. I believe one of the, uh, one of the FCS teams. So we really don't know much about Colorado state, but you know, then uh, they hosted Hawaii, excuse me, hosted Navy in week two. And, uh, that was a game that, well, I want to say 59-41, they put 100 points on the board. Then they went across the country, not just over, not just over across the Pacific Ocean, they went all the way over to, to play an Army. A competitive game, they either failed to cover or covered by a half point in uh, – or. Uh, or pushed rather by a half point in a 28-21 loss to Army. Then they go back home and they play a team like Duquesne. Last week they're back on the mainland. So they've been tested as far as the travel goes. No team has to travel more during the course of the season than Hawaii. So they've already made a couple of road trips, uh, This uh, excuse me, three road trips uh, this season. I like what I'm seeing out of them. Uh, they've yet to really face an outstanding defense. Now this week they're facing a Wyoming team that is down considerably from last year. And of course we know the reason why Josh Allen, their quarterback now uh, getting an opportunity uh, as a starter uh, with the Buffalo bills, Wyoming, a pretty good defensive team by mountain West conference standards. But at the same time, they have one of the weakest offensives in uh, all of uh, college football. Uh, to that point, they hosted an FCS team, Wofford, a few weeks ago, and Wyoming could only manage a 17-14 victory. So it'll be interesting in that contest this week in Hawaii. It's the final game on the board. We in, in Las Vegas like to call it the bailout game. It's your last opportunity to either have a winning Saturday or reduce your losses on Saturday night with a play on the Hawaii game. Uh, it'll be an interesting case of offense versus defense, Hawaii bringing the offense, Wyoming breaking the defense. And so it may really come down to what what Wyoming's limited offense does against Hawaii's not quite that strong defense. But also keep in mind sometimes, and here we go back to somewhat uh, what the X factor uh, tries to uh, consider, and that is sometimes teams that look bad defensively because they give up a lot of yards and maybe they don't give up a lot of points, but they give up a lot of yards do so because the offensive scores so quickly, the defense is on the field for many, many more plays. In fact, I'll just throw it in here because I don't think I mentioned it during the discussion, but it's something that's very important. When I analyze football game statistics, when I analyze season to date or in-game or, or single game statistics, I prefer to place much more emphasis on yards per play than on yards per game because yards per play tell you how effective a team is each time they snap the football yards per game may be skewed because of factors such as that, which I just mentioned a team scoring quickly or allowing quick scores, which mean that there's going to be a decided difference in both time of possession or in number of plays run and time of possession, for example, would be a situation with the team with the game, for example, between army and Oklahoma where army just runs the football, runs the football, runs the football. And so their numbers are going to look better on a yards per game basis than on a yards per play basis. Andy Isco explaining his side in that Hawaii-Wyoming football game using yards per point as a key stat, as he does in his X-Factor determinations here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. And Andy, a great job on the show. Once again, as always, before I let you go, I know our listeners would like to know what you've got on tap for your complimentary play this weekend. Well, I'm going to go back to one of those games I talked about in our line moves, and it's the game between Miami and Cincinnati. 
You know, we always talk about not overreacting to the last game we saw. And I mentioned that Cincinnati was a four-point home favorite a week ago when we were talking about last week's podcast, when we were doing last week's podcast before the Thursday night game, before any of the games of last week. Mentioned what happened, Cincinnati, a very entertaining win. Miami, a drubbing at New England. Bad spot for the Patriots, bad spot for the Dolphins, rather. The Patriots were off of back-to-back double-digit losses. And so we saw the lines maker make what I felt was a significant adjustment. Although really, when you go from four up to five and a half, that point and a half move is not as significant as if, for example, you went from six to seven and a half or five and a half up to seven. So the point and a half move is understandable. But then when the early action came in and moved that Cincinnati line up to over six to six and a half, suggests to me that that's a, a significant overreaction when you combine the adjusted the adjustments made by the sportsbook and the reaction to those adjustments, which further uh, which further enhanced or enlarged that adjustment. Miami's a deep Decent football team. Uh, they were going to lose somewhere last week. I think a lot of us were on the Patriots expecting them to have that performance. I'm not going to downgrade Miami all that much, if at all, off of that game. Uh, Adam Gaze continues to fare well when Ryan Tannehill, the Miami quarterback who's been off injured the last few years, has gotten starts. And I think Miami goes into a Cincinnati uh, game this week. Bengals lost Tyler Eifert, one of their fine tight ends for the season. That may take some adjustment, not so much that the Miami defense is going to do anything, but the Cincinnati Bengals offense may end up having to make some adjustments and may be slow to make those adjustments. I like the plus six and a half. Don't know if we'll get an opportunity to take plus seven in that game, but as long as you can get at least plus six, and as I say, right now at six and a half, I think the Miami Dolphins represent a very good value in this game and quite capable of winning coming off of what had to be an embarrassing loss to the Dolphins. And again, what would this line be if Cincinnati doesn't get that game-winning touchdown and ends up losing by, uh, what, six points to uh, Atlanta on uh, Sunday afternoon? Andy Isco takes advantage of what he perceives to be an over-adjustment as a result of last week's results both for and against the Dolphins and the Bengals in this contest. He plays Miami plus the points for his complimentary play on the show this week. Andy, as always, a great job on the show this week. I'm going to wish you the very best of luck, and we'll catch up with you next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Mark, Victor, I wish the best to you and to all of our listeners, and uh, let's have a good second quarter of the season. It's hard to believe we're there already. We'll do just that, Andy. Thanks a lot. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And guys, don't go away. When Victor and I come back, we're going to share with you our awesome angle of the week and our complimentary plays when we're back with the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. This is why Mark Lawrence only endorses mybookie.ag. Call toll-free at 1-844-900-2387 or go online to mybookie.ag to open an account and start winning today. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in Apple and G as in games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest, only the best, only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. And now, the moment you've been waiting for. From the hot South Florida sun, it's Mark Lawrence with his awesome angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get to it. Our awesome angle of the week directly from our well-oiled machine, our database, we call it Deep Six. And what we're looking to do is to plan any two and three college football team in game six that's coming off a win if they were a bowl team last season and they're taking on an opponent coming off a win that they beat last year. So you've got this team that was a bowler last year. They're one game under 500 at the game six of the season. They're coming off a confident building win. They're taking on an opponent off a win, and they took this opponent out last year. These deep six teams have responded by going 20-5 and five against the spread in this role since 1980. That's an 80% point spread play on situation. We'll be playing on Northern Illinois against Ball State this Saturday for our awesome angle deep six play of the week. And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out what Victor's got on tap for his 
card this weekend at King Creole Sports, plus his complimentary play on the show. Victor, take it over, if you will. You got it last week, college football 4-0 on Saturday over unders. We got a four-star best bet going. That'll be up at the playbook.com website. On Sunday in the NFL, we had that nice uh, Falcons-Bengals game over the total as our five-star NFL game of the month. We will have a three-star NFL over of the day for Sunday. And uh, we don't put out Monday night plays very often. We will have one this week in the Washington-New Orleans game. We'll have an over-under selection in the Monday night game down there in the Big Easy as well. And our free play of the week is courtesy of Top Dog Monkey, who I believe brought home the bacon last week with the Bills-Packers under the total. And this week, Monkey is heading up to the Pacific Northwest and going low in the NFC West division battle between the Rams and the Seahawks. The undefeated Rams are by far the chalkiest road team on the entire Week 5 schedule. They're laying somewhere around a touchdown. Long-time totals tip sheet readers already know how we feel about these types of games. The chalkier the road team the better the under results it kind of makes sense from a game script perspective that perspective being this road team gets out to a big time lead they sit on the ball they play extra conservatively in the second half of the game particularly against a division opponent and of course the rams are not going to be running up the score in a division game against a foe that they'll be playing later on this season but anyway, from the database, 4, 30, and 2 over under last five years. That's four overs, 30 unders. NFL road favorites of seven or more when the over-under line is greater than 43 points. And check this out. In the last three years, there have been 20 such games in the NFL. One over, 19 unders. This is also a really good week of the season to go low for undefeated favorites like the Rams of more than a field goal. Since the 2009 season, game five undefeated favorites of more than a field goal have gone a perfect 0-7 over-under when the over-under line is in the range of greater than 39 points and less than 54 points. Now, I know the Rams got a great defense, uh, excuse me, offense. In fact, they got the number one offense in the entire league. They've scored, what, 33, 34, 35, and 38 points in their first four games of the year. But look what the database says. NFL, same division favorites of 15 or less points who have scored 33 or more in each of their last four games have gone a perfect 0-12 over-under in the history of our database. We got a nice generous number, too. The last time I looked, it was, what, 15 and a half to 51 points. Rams, Seahawks, under the total. That's courtesy of Monkey, and we'll see if she can do it again for the second week in a row. That's Victor with a big, beautiful 1-19 stat on the Rams and Seahawks to go under the total. Be sure to join Victor this weekend for another winning weekend from King Creel Sports at playbook.com on the heels of his big five-star College football game of the month winner last week. Check it out at playbook.com for King Creole sports plays this weekend. Before I get to my complimentary play on the show this week, a quick reminder that the playbook tokens are now available to all people that are registered at playbook.com. If you haven't registered, do so now and we'll put $100 in free tokens into your account. No charge to register. Simply log on at playbook.com, register, and you'll find $100 in playbook tokens to use as you choose at playbook.com. I also want to mention here quickly, though, that the Sports Data University, which we are hoping to launch here by the start of the football season, is still under development, guys. It's going to be up and uh, we're hoping by the NBA basketball start of the season. And when we do, we'll let you know. But in the meantime, register at sportsdata.com. In time, just in time for all the classes that we'll be putting on. And as a registered member, we'll also pass along to you a free class to attend. Check it out at sportsdata.com. I'm also releasing my college football perfect system club play of the year this Saturday. You can pick it up online at playbook.com or you can join me for another $99 football weekend of winners when you call me toll free to get on board for the perfect system club play of the year weekend of winners. 
at 1-800-321-7777. My complimentary play on the football card this week, I'm going to go right back to the Arkansas Razorbacks, who were good to us last week. We're going to grab up all the points against mighty Alabama this weekend. We're taking a look here. This is a play directly from our playbook football newsletter this week, Arkansas, and we're going to ride them on the show here as well. First of all, they've cashed in three of the last four games against Alabama. They will not be intimidated. We also note that double-digit home underdogs taking on undefeated teams coming off a point spread win have cashed in one of the money eight straight games in a row. Bama, flying high this football season here, has scored 45 or more points in five straight games. That's the first time ever that they've done that in their school history here. And they've also been all against unranked opponents, as is Arkansas. But really, against a soft schedule, Alabama has been cruising here. Uh, We're taking a look at Arkansas in this football game, though. This is an Arkansas football team flying completely under the radar, guys. They have 17 starters back from last year's teams. They've held three opponents this year to season-low yards. The Hogs are playing a little bit of defense in their Chad Morris here this football season here and playing a lot better than the oddsmakers have them in their power ratings here. But the killer stat in this game comes from the Playbook Football Newsletter here. And this is kind of wild, if you will, but follow me on this, if you will. Arkansas Razorbacks at home in games since 1977. They've gone 193-82-2 straight up in those football games. Only three losses in those football games, in those 277 games, only three losses have been by more than 36 points, of which we'll see that number at this Saturday. We'll see a 36.5 or 37 on this game. That makes them 274-3 and three to this number in this football game. They rarely get blown out at home here. I'm going to grab up all the points with Arkansas for my complimentary play once again on the show this week for my complimentary play in this game. That's going to put the final wraps on this edition of Mark Lawrence against the spread. I'm going to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports for another outstanding job on the show. Our good friend Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas as he always does each and every week from TheLogicalApproach.com in Vegas. And until next week, for our good friend Jack Reynolds, we know is listening from above, this is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always.